Hi, this is Sterling Gates. You're listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And even though, unfortunately, Carly Lane, our usual co-host, couldn't join us for this episode, Morgan and I are here to discuss the season two episode of the show titled Mr. and Mrs. Mixyes Pelik. But first, let's get to the news. SuperfanCon, which is a new convention for fans of the CW Supergirl, will be held in Vancouver, British Columbia, and is scheduled for September 8th through the 10th, 2017. Right now, guests include Dean Kane, Makad Brooks, and Sachin Sahel. They are having a pre-sale event going on right now until February 28th. SuperfanCon is offering a 10% discount code to our listeners by using the promo code SGRADIO10. It takes 10% off past purchases that are $100 or higher, and you can use it now until August 31st, 2017, and that's for online sales only. Just enter it in in the coupon code field at checkout on their website, which is superfanconventions.com. So this is very exciting, Morgan. This is a a, a totally new convention that's just for Supergirl fans only. Um, which is awesome. I, I, I've, I've known a, a couple of conventions that, you know, are based around just one, one fandom, one TV show, things like that. And I think those are really cool. Some of those, um, some of those conventions might be smaller, but it's a better way to meet other fans and it's very specific to that fandom. So I think this is a really cool thing that they're doing. Yeah. And it sounds like it's going to be uh, like really fun. I, I like the, the lineup that they have. And also like, I'm used to going to really huge conventions, so to me, this sounds like a super chill time. Pun <laughs> <I> intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, same here. Um, even, you know, I love my Dragon Con every year. Sometimes it can get overwhelming and frustrating with all the lines and all the people. <laughs> um, so it is, it is nice when you go to these smaller conventions and you actually can spend time with other people and get to know other people and, and talk to people, um, you know, about your favorite thing. So I think this is really exciting. And if anybody's interested in going, uh, definitely take advantage of the uh, pre-sale event and use our promo code SGRADIO10. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our new section this week. So let's get into our discussion of the season two episode of Supergirl titled Mr. and Mrs. Mixius Pitalik. I've been practicing that, Morgan. I don't know if you can tell. I know. I you're like, you're I like, like an I'm, expert. I'm, try, I'm trying to really make it come out. So here's the official description, which I'm going to really need to, to work hard at this one. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> 
when Mr. Mixias Pitalik, uh, guest star Peter Gaudio, a magical imp shows up on Earth and declares his love for Kara, she tries to let him down easy, thinking him harmless. However, he decides it's a challenge and starts to wreak havoc on National City. Monel has seen beings like Mr. Mixias Pitalik on Daxum and knows how dangerous they can be. He and Kara argue over how to get rid of Mr. Mixias Pitalik, further straining their relationship. Meanwhile, Alex and Maggie celebrate their first Valentine's Day together, unquote. And they actually did this week. This, this, yes. was, this was a successful Valentine's Day celebration for <laughs> Alex and Maggie. Uh, because uh, in the last episode, the, we had some issues with the uh, official description. Got a little mixed up. But they keep that, throwing us off. But this time, this <laughs> time, it was real. <laughs> this time, Valentine's Day was celebrated. Uh, so, uh, that was good to see. Well, um, but first, since this episode was all about, uh, Mr. Mixchess Pitalik, or if you pronounce it, I looked up all the pronunciations, different pronunciations I could find for him. <laughs> some people call him, I, I, I say Mixchess Pitalik. That's what I've mostly heard. But some people say Mixyiz Pitalik. Some people say Mixelplik, which was a Super Friends pronunciation in the way Clark Kent you know, first guess about his name on Superman, the animated series. Um, and speaking of Superman, the animated series, Mixes um, uh, actually says Mix Yes Spitlick. So that's how that version pronounced it. Then um, even on Smallville, there was a different one with Mix Ilpitalik. So um, you just kind of have to pick one and go with it for consistency's sake. But we can we can mix it up in this in this episode discussion if we want to. Uh, you can call him whatever you want, Morgan. I might I might fall back on uh, on how Cara did it and just call him Mixie. That's 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 easy and that's simple. <laughs> whatever whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, so what did you think about Mixie and this version of the imp from the fifth dimension? I thought he was really funny. Uh, I mean, I guess I was kind of expecting it from the from the preview, but I thought he had like a really good energy, like really over the top. I don't feel like um, we've seen a villain like this so far in Supergirl. He was just like so crazy that I feel like even Carr was having like a hard time taking him seriously. Like, yes, he was doing all this terrible stuff, but she was just kind of like, seriously, how are you? Like, why is this still happening? <laughs> yeah, he was all kinds of bonkers crazy and i think at one point he even says something to her like there's only one room there's only room for one crazy person in this relationship so i think he even had this self-realization that he was maybe not you know all there um, just a little over the top <laughs> just just a little bit and um i i noticed he kept calling Kara. like you know we talked about mixtus pitalik's name pronunciation and the way different ways we could refer to him, but he called Kara several different names. He called her Sweet Cheeks, Buttercup, Blossom, and at one point he called her Soupy Baby, which I was like, that's <laughs> that's like a weird thing to say. But then when I went to, you know, I was trying to figure out all the different pronunciations for the name, and I went back to Superboy, the TV series, and the Mixtus Pitalik on that show called Superboy Soupy Baby. So I was like, hmm, maybe that's where that comes from. Maybe it was a, a reference to the Superboy TV series. So Soupy Baby's weird, but I think it has an intention behind it. Yeah, Soupy Baby was the weirdest one. He sounded like like an old school, like 
like talent agent, like <laughs> Snoopy baby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. He seems like he's he he was misplaced. Maybe he should have been in some sort of like 1940s classic film. I, I feel like we like missed a- out having him meet Snapper. Oh. And, like, maybe Snapper would, like, suddenly, like, go back in time to his, like, his, like, hey, daddy-o. <laughs> yeah. They, well, and he did, and Mick Chesspitalik did snap. That's how That's he true. used his powers. So I think he and Snapper could have gotten along really well. <laughs> I choose to think of that as a shout-out to us. Yes. That's, like, like, throwing us a bone. Like, it's not going to be Snapper, but you'll get some snaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe Sterling Gates, like, felt really bad for us. <laughs> And uh, wanted to try to try to do something for our, our snapless Those poor watching. girls. They ask for so little. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I, I'll believe that too. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Mixie was was pretty. He was hardcore wooing Kara. Like even in his crazy way, he was trying to win her over because he had some rules. He he told her that he could make her fall in love with him. That he could. N- uh, what was it about stop, uh, stopping her from killing herself? He couldn't stop her from killing herself, right. and he couldn't make her drink orange juice. Right. <laughs> so he has some rules that he laid out with her. and But other than that, he was causing a lot of chaos in the city and, you know, things that she had to come and pay attention to. So what did you think about all his, his little mischief making in the town? I thought it was it was funny when uh, when the what what monster was that like that giant monster it had been in another episode parasite that's right parasite when like parasite is around she's like didn't i take care of this before (laughs) and then she puts it together that like he had created parasite just so he could like do some super heroics with with her and he and she was like okay mixie like now you're going a little too far like all the flowers and putting me in a weird wedding dress like I'll allow it. <laughs> but when other people start to like, you might hurt somebody else. That's like where I draw the line. Uh, <laughs> so I like, I like that she was starting to get like really annoyed. Like at first I think she, w- she kind of saw him as being like a little ridiculous and funny. But as soon as he started to cross that line into potentially hurting somebody else, that's like when Kara was like, all right, now it's not funny anymore. He did create a monster that was potentially putting people in harm's way so that that is something that supergirl would be concerned about and don't knock that dress it was vera wang so it's a very That's true very That's nice true. dress he had some taste so you got to give mixie credit for that um, I, I like that like the the moment when she goes into her apartment and it's like full of flowers and she just like very nonchalantly like grabs a like a whole thing of flowers and she's like here give it to maggie to alex and i thought that was so funny like she was she had a moment where she like took in her apartment saw it was full of flowers and then just kind of like went about her day (laughs) (laughs) that's true this is happening now this is not as weird as it looks (laughs) well i thought it was a little bit of a missed opportunity with supergirl because i was like you know it would be a really cool supergirl moment if she like took all of those flowers and donated them to like a hospital or you know some kind of other you know charity that could need some brightening up so I was like, mm. oh, that yeah, that would have been a nice idea. Yeah, oh, maybe maybe does. I mean, we don't we don't know she didn't do that. I'm, she could have, yeah. She <laughs> she could have done that later. Uh, I don't remember where the flowers. I don't think the flowers were there at the end scene with Monel. 
So maybe no, no, they weren't. So maybe, yeah, maybe she took them around town and and dropped them off as like a, a like a Valentine's Day Santa. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's that's what I will choose to believe that she did. Uh, Had canon accepted. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I I thought all of that was was pretty crazy because even uh, Mixes Pitalik, like he turns the guns on the bank robbers. That was that I don't know. See there all of these incidences are just like over the top crazy and insane but he turned like i was really shocked by him actually turning the guns on them wanting to shoot them because i think he thought at the time that that would make Kara happy because he stopped the robbers but she was like no no that's murdering people you cannot do that so um yeah i i thought all of that was just you know he was going a little too far and what what i thought was interesting was that he came because he he was you know all knowing and all seeing and he had kind of fallen in love with her from the fifth dimension but he didn't really seem to know who she was like know her character cuz i think if he did maybe he wouldn't have done those things uh, just because he didn't know like who she was and how she cared about the citizens and cared about people. So I thought it was a, you know, if he really, really wanted to, you know, marry her, maybe he should have thought of that. Yeah, I don't think he planned this out very well. I don't think so either. I feel, I, well, and he has a line at some point where he talks about them being like the ultimate power couple. So I think to him it was a lot more about like, well, you know, you're hot and powerful. I'm hot and powerful. <laughs> Let's get this party started. Like, I don't think that he was really exactly like he, if he was really paying attention to like what Kara was like as a person he would know not to shoot a bunch of robbers like point blank in the face uh, although that was one of my favorite moments in the episode where she like stops all the bullets and one of the robbers goes thanks supergirl and she just like elbows him in the face <laughs> yeah it was funny but at the same time i was like could she really hurt that guy? Like, I don't, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm sure she pulled back on her super strength. Yeah. I think she was just like irritated with him. <laughs> I was like, I think an elbow from Supergirl could probably kill a dude, but I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> choose to believe that she could rein her powers in and control herself so that she didn't actually, you know, so she could soften the blow a little bit. Because I, I think if she had really hit him really hard, he would have just like like gone streaking down the alleyway. Yeah, yeah, it, it would have. It would, yeah, the Wilhelm scream would have been heard yeah. in the distance. <gasps> so Mixtus Pitalik plays around a little bit. He puts on the Superman suit. He's causing some chaos, and Kara eventually, with the help of Monel, who kind of gives her the idea about getting him to say his name backwards. She devises her own plan, which I thought was really smart. Um, what did you think about her agreeing to marry Mixie and going to the Fortress of Solitude to, you know, trick him into uh, possibly saying his name? I thought that was brilliant. Well, first of all, when she said that she's like she agrees to marry him and she's later she's talking to Monel and she's like, well, you know, he can really he can he has a lot of powers and like, if I redirect them in the right way, I can get him to, you know, to help other people. And I was like, 
Monel was buying this whole thing, and I was like, really? Like, you know that she's going to, like, double-cross him. Like, this is all obviously a ploy. Uh, and I was a little disturbed by the fact that, like, Monel fell for that so fast. And also, I was like, y- you realize that she's literally describing your whole relationship to you. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, Kara, girl look at this as a warning sign. <laughs> I was like, if you don't know if you're talking about the crazy imp who's trying to, to trick you into marrying you or the dude you're about to get into a relationship with, like, let that be a moment for you. <laughs> yeah. A sobering moment. But uh, I thought it was, I thought it was really clever and I liked how she did it too. And uh, I think probably one of my other favorite moments is like when he comes into the fortress of solitude and she's sitting there drinking the orange juice. Uh, I know that we were, we we're talking a little earlier today and I was saying like no other ship is as important to me now as car orange juice. She, like, <laughs> she, she took that orange juice in. She enjoyed that glass. Of orange she juice. was loving that orange yeah. juice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I liked about the orange juice thing was that that came across to me as very defiant. That that was one of the things he said that he suggested. Mixtas Pitalik suggested that he could not control her to do. And I, what I thought was really neat about this take on the character that I don't think has been done in other versions that I've seen on Lois and Clark or on Smallville or on Sin- Superman the Animated Series. There was a lot of to me, there was this big theme of like free will and what he could control her to do or not control her to do. He could put her in that wedding dress. He could um, put flowers or music in her house or put those out that outrageous number of candles in her apartment. I was like, this, this <laughs> oh, that's a fire hazard. <laughs> I think. Well, but you know, Supergirl, I think she can handle it if something did, did go wrong. But I was like, that's you're a little overkill in the candles there, buddy. But um. There were certain things that he could control, but he couldn't control her and the choices that she made. And I was like, oh, I like that a lot. And I think that little bit with the orange juice was just her like sticking it to him. Like, you think you can control me, but you can't. And that I'm, I'm going to drink this orange juice just to say that I make my choices. I make, you know, uh, decisions upon what I feel is best for me and you can't control me. And I thought I was like, yeah, you go, Supergirl. Uh, so I, I really liked that a lot. And um, what did you think about the way she tricked him into or saying or spelling his own name? I thought it was really smart. And I was also wondering, I was like, it was that a real like protocol that would have really blown up the fortress of solitude or did she just like program some random thing in to like shake the walls? Like, I don't, I don't know that she, did they mention that? Like whether or not that was real? Cause I could totally see that as being something that like she programmed in before he got there while she was like sipping her orange juice. Well, that's a good question. I sort of took it as a real thing because she she mentions the atomic cauldron, which is one of the most powerful fusion furnaces on Earth. So I assume that that was an actual thing. I didn't have time to look it up to see if that was a thing from DC Comics, you know, that's actually associated with the fortress. Um, so listeners, if you know anything more about the atomic cauldron, please let us know. Um, but I sort of took it as a real thing that had to be shut down and she was willing to take that chance. Uh, but that's, that's a cool thought that maybe it was just sort of an elaborate ploy, um, that she wasn't going to actually risk the Fortress of Solitude's total destruction. Although I also wondered about the, 
Jor-El statue, like the ice sculpture, like she flies through it and sort of destroys it. But at the end of the scene, the statue is still there. So I wondered if that was just a thing that it came alive and she had to deal with it because Mixes Pitalik was there. And when he goes away, this the statue, the ice sculpture is fine. Like I don't I don't know how that that works. I kind I kind of wanted there to be another scene of like right after that where like Kara like flies out and then you see Superman come in and he like looks at the Jor-El statue and it's got like a giant hole in his chest like where she flew through and he goes like uh <laughs> like come on Kara <laughs> he looks over there's just a there's just a glass of orange juice and he's like Kara damn it <laughs> I, I only ask you to you know make sure that you keep it the way it was when you leave um yeah so We're gonna have a strongly worded talk later <laughs> yeah no I, I think everything was okay by the end I think everything was back to normal um, but it was interesting. I went back to watch the Superman animated this the Superman the animated series episode called Mix Yes Pixelated, which is even ah. harder to say. <laughs> um, and in that episode, Mix Yes Pitalik makes um, you know the statue Rodan's the Thinker. Uh, he makes that the that statue come alive in a museum and kind of walk around. And so I, I think that's what they were going for with the Jor-El ice sculpture, um, that he made it kind of come alive and walk and, and fight. So I thought I thought that was a cool little um, possible tribute to the animated series. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's kind of how I took it. Um, and I was also pleasantly surprised by the Kryptonese mentions in this episode. Uh, and I thought it was a neat kind of callback because Jean says something earlier, much earlier in the episode where he talks about the Martian Valentine that he sent to McGann. And he talks about writing something down uh, is a way to, to really truly say something. Like you can say something, but if you write it down, like he was talking, now I'm screwing this up. He, he, ta- he talks about how like they have the psychic link but if you write something down, you're like truly saying it. So that's why her getting Mixes Pitalik to like actually type it out was still, it still worked. It still, you know, fit the bill of him saying his name backwards. So it sort of counted. Um, I thought that was smart too, because like, I can't even say his regular name. I definitely couldn't say it backwards. Like, how do you get him to say that in like a normal conversation? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's not as easy to, <laughs> to do. Uh, it's kill tipsism. If, uh, if you ever need to, like, if, if you see an M from the fifth dimension, um, kill tipsism is, uh, the correct backwards pronunciation. Um, but what I thought was curious because, you know, I love my Kryptonese, so um, it pops up in the fortress when they, they punch in the letters or the characters. And when I was when I was trying to translate it, because I, I can't help myself. There's Kryptonese. I have to, I have to do oh something. My God. Oh, I have no. to translate it. Um, but I, I don't know that it's 100% accurate. And I don't know why they did it this way, because... When I looked into it, when when I looked at the like the Kryptonese from left to right, and I was trying to match up the the letters to the alphabet to the Kryptonian alphabet, I got D J E P and then something I don't recognize one of those characters, and then T Z W. So I'm like, I don't even know what that like. It reveals itself to be Kill Tipsism, but I was like, this this doesn't add up. So I have a lot of like Kryptonese questions 
<laughs> about that scene. And I, you know, I get really frustrated when Kryptonese is not handled correctly. It's a real big problem for me. <laughs> I well, whenever whenever I see Kryptonese, I'm like, it's okay. Rebecca will let me know if that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I thought was cool was that uh, Mixes Pitalik had like a like a booklet. Like he had like a little like an alphabet booklet that he was like looking up, you know, Kryptonese language. And yeah, you got to get your hands on that, Rebecca. I, I need I need one. I was like, that's a good idea to like have, print out the alphabet, put, you know, put the, the regular Kryptonese in there on one page and then put like the Birdwell Kryptonese on another page <laughs> and then put like the Man of Steel Kryptonian in there. Um, that I need to I you, people do scrapbooking. I'm going to do Kryptonese. <laughs> uh, alphabet booking. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. But I thought it was really funny that Mixhouse Pitalik had that book and he was like, I don't have time to learn your stupid moon language. And I was like, don't talk down to Kryptonese like that. It's a very beautiful language. It's Excuse me, Mixhouse <laughs> Pitalik. <laughs> do not judge. I don't think that you should be judging other people. That's true. On language and alphabet characters, you have no room to talk, sir. Um, yeah, so I thought that was really funny, and I, I thought it was really clever how they got her, because the whole episode, even before the episode, I was like, I wonder how she's going to trick him, because that's always the thing with him, is that you have to trick him into saying his own name. So they, I think that they did, they resolved that very well. I was very proud of Supergirl, and, 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 and proud of the way she uh, figured it, it seemed like she figured it out herself. And yeah, I, and I, I like really that like too that. because we see we see Supergirl so much like solving problems with her superpowers, but there she solved the problem with the superpower that was her brain, <laughs> her super <laughs> intelligence, um, which I believe is an actual Kryptonian superpower, super intelligence. Ah, yeah. Um, so I guess we talked a bit a little bit about Mixtus Pitalik, and I guess. This, since we probably need to talk about the Kara Monel stuff, um, oh, no. <laughs> before we get to that, um, let's talk about Monel's duel that he has with Mick Chespedalik. Because I think you probably enjoyed that, Alex. I know you're a big I, Hamilton fan. So, what did you think about uh, them going into the theater and having a duel? I was dying. I was so happy. I can't even tell you. It even kind of looks like the Hamilton, um, the theater that Hamilton is in, actually. I was like, ooh, they're going, like, legit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they threw out some Hamilton references, like um, the uh, the not throwing away your shot is is a song in Hamilton. So I I was so happy. I was I was like, this is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they had him in the costumes. It was perfect. Yeah, I have to say, I was listening to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, the the most recent episode, and uh, you know, because I don't watch the show, but I do listen to the podcast. Which uh, that's our that's our tagline. Which is your official <laughs> tagline: Watch or don't watch the show, but definitely listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, so I. I don't I didn't expect in a Legends of Tomorrow episode to have Hamilton references, but I know you all were disappointed that there weren't. And so I was That's like true. They, they they went back to revolutionary times to like to team up with George Washington. It would have been so easy to throw in like a little Hamilton Easter egg, but they more or less ignored it. So I feel like this was this was like the way of the universe giving back to me. They were like, it's okay. Just wait. Just wait a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I was watching the episode and I and I and I recognized that the, there was a Hamilton thing going on. I was like, I think Morgan's this is this is gonna make it up for Morgan with the Legends of Tomorrow thing. I think this is this is gonna be good. Um so do you think that 
the Hamilton Burr parallel? I mean, did they have any parallels to to those those historical characters? Like, do you think Ms. McShess Pilik should have been Aaron Burr? He 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 said he kind of uh, felt like he uh, had some similar traits, like he identified with him. Do you do you think that's correct? Yeah, I didn't see that as as a as a very good um, like parallel because because Burr didn't really stand for anything. He was sort of a like a political opportunist, and uh, and Hamilton was sort of like he was sort of nonstop with like he was always writing or he was always working on something. Uh, I don't see that as being Monel's particular <laughs> problem. <laughs> like, I guess I could see sort of the Hamilton, the Hamiltonian like tendency to just pop off without thinking things through and just kind of saying things as being something that maybe Monel, like clearly he hadn't thought through, uh, just like grabbing some random thing that he didn't know how to use from the DEO to go fight uh, Mixius Pitalik. But I don't see uh, I don't see Mixius Pitalik as a particularly Aaron Burr type figure. I think Aaron Burr was more like wildly and like willing to like stand back and see what side was going to win uh, before like putting his hat into the ring and in the. Uh, in the stage show, he has a whole song about, like, I'm going to wait for it. And I don't see Mixie. Yeah, Mixie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't see Mixie as waiting for anything. He's going to, like, fill your entire life with flowers until you uh, send him back to where he belongs. Yeah, Mixie was pretty proactive, I thought. He he was he was not going to wait around to see what Monel was doing. He was just going to try to get Kara to, uh, you know, be on his side and and to love him, whatever it took. And Monel sort of got in his way when he, when he was trying to do that. So... Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, credit where credit is due, Mixhouse Pitalik was not lazy. He he had a goal and he worked for it and uh, he didn't get it, though, at the at the end. Um, but I was shocked with Mixhouse Pitalik and, and I don't know, um, I I guess this could be something we could talk about with him versus, you know, Monel and those kind of parallels and contrasts. Do, do you feel like they, each one of those guys, the imp, the Daxamite. Do you think that they learned something from their experience experiences in this episode? I think I hope that Monel learned some experiences. I mean, learned from his experiences. But I will say, and I think that this is probably a larger problem with the structure of the season, that he does seem to learn the same lesson over and over and over again, like every other episode. Like so he'll learn the lesson about like trusting Supergirl and and listening to her when she tells him to do something or when she tells him it's okay like I can handle this and then an like two episodes later he'll do the exact same like the exact opposite and it's like Monel you literally just learned this lesson like he needs a very special episode to learn the same basic <laughs> stuff over and over again which is i think a, what a lot of people's irritation with the character is it's just like he's hitting they're hitting the same beats with this character over and over and over again and I get that like learning to be a better person is not a linear process like there's a lot of one step forward two steps back but like sometimes that doesn't make for the the most enjoyable television experience (laughs) yeah no I can totally understand that it it can be frustrating when it seems like it's a reset 
every episode. Um, I did think it was particularly interesting for me that Mixtus Pillock in the Fortress, he seemed to because they uh, they make a point in the episode. Supergirl tells Mixtus Pillock, she says, "Love isn't making demands of someone or forcing them to marry you. Love is putting someone else's needs above your own." And I thought in that scene in the Fortress, Mixtus Pillock sort of did put Kara before himself which I thought was really interesting because the whole episode he was very love me, love me, love me, love me and didn't really think about Kara in the way that maybe he should have. But in the fortress, when he thought maybe she was going to die, he did do something. He he wanted that code so that he could save her. And I thought, but couldn't you, couldn't you also argue that he wanted to save himself since he also wouldn't be able to get out of the fortress? That is uh, <laughs> that is a valid point. So maybe maybe he maybe his uh, his stripes didn't change after all. Maybe he was just selfish and wanting to save himself. That's a good point. Valid point. But um, I, I think we could also read into that. Like may, maybe he learned. He looked he looked sad at the end, but also. Maybe maybe he took something from the experience. We don't, we don't know. Maybe he'll go back to the fifth dimension as a as a more well rounded mixie. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe <laughs> maybe he'll he'll grow and change. Um, but yeah, with Monel, I I sort of felt like he did realize that how he had acted at the beginning of the episode, which was very combative. A little, I mean, uh, maybe not very, but a little combative with Kara. Like he was wanting to handle it on his own and he felt very jealous and he uh was just not really listening and kind of letting Kara you know uh make some of the decisions for herself he he was trying to kind of control what he could control in the situation and I what I liked about him in this episode is that he actually apologized to Kara he owned up to the fact that he was acting like a jerk he actually says he apologizes for acting like an ass, which is not a word I would have used. I would have said jerk, but he <laughs> said ass. So that's what we can call him, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was it was nice to see someone actually own up to maybe some of the mistakes and the way they mishandled themselves. Because in my experience, that's <laughs> that's pretty rare in the human race. Maybe uh, Daxmites on Earth. Uh, learn their lessons a little quicker. Um, but for someone to actually kind of realize, hey, I treated you badly. I need to make this up to you. I thought that was very big of him to do. So I, I appreciated that even though he acted <laughs> he acted like a jerk uh, for most of the episode, he did sort of realize what he was doing was wrong and wanted to make it up to her. So I, I, I do think that in some ways, maybe both of these these suitors learned a little something. I hope so. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I think I think the whole episode was sort of a her kind of having to tell these two dudes, like, listen, I, I'm going to like who I'm going to like. You can't force your you can't force somebody to have feelings that they don't have. And uh, and, you know, like relationships are not always logical. Sometimes you don't always like the person who, you know, they think that you should like them, but you have to let other people decide for them your, themselves. And if somebody says, I'm not into you, like, do not fill their f- apartment with flowers and like make it into a, a giant parasite monster just so you can spend time with them. It's not cute. No one thinks that's cute. <laughs> no, no one, no one's, no one's going to be into that. 
Um, but <laughs> no one is into a parasite monster. That is the <laughs> lesson of the episode. <laughs> we can we can all take something from that. Um, but I, what I thought was cool about this episode, and you know, I, I, I always you know kind of um, take to the Kara moments. And what I thought was cool about this episode was that she. She, I love it when they let her get angry. Like I love it. Like she and she and Monel were yelling and fussing at each other in the DEO, and they had that like really long fight. And I was loving like the fact that all the DEO agents were around them, and I was like, they are totally eavesdropping in on this conversation. You know, they're all going to be gossiping about that in the break room later about the Monel and Cara fight. Um, but I, I love that. I love that she was like, no, I'm not a damsel in distress. I, you know, I'm a grown woman. I can handle myself. So I really, I, I enjoyed that. I, I, I thought it was great acting from Melissa and, and Chris. And I, I just thought they did such a good job to really effectively make that scene come alive. So I, I thought that was great. Yeah, I agree. That was a good one. And I, and I was so happy that she basically like told him off because to me, it was another case of we've seen this scene like we've seen Monel try to protect her and like leave other people vulnerable or try to protect her because he thinks that she needs protecting. And it's like, how many times does she have to tell him, like, I'm actually Supergirl, like Supergirl. You do not, ha- you do not have to protect me. I've got this. I had this before you showed up and I'll have it like way at the elite. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. Well, um, so there was a lot of romance in this episode. Everybody seemed to have some romantic things going on. Um, it was Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Day. Oh, so it's <laughs> Well, sometimes that happens. Uh, but that is... The spirit of Valentine's Day lingers on. <laughs> so so um, we finally got to see Alex and Maggie and how they would handle Valentine's Day in this episode. So what did you think about their storyline? I really liked the Alex and Maggie storyline in this episode. I thought it was so good. Um, I I find them so charming. Uh, I like I like that they have these like really like uh, domestic moments. Like in the beginning of the episode, she brings Maggie a bagel, and she's like. Oh, here's your bagel. That I think it was like plain or something, like a dry it, bagel. It was, and she's like, ill. <laughs> she she brought her black coffee, a sesame seed bagel. That was dry and double toasted. Yeah, and, and I, I love that she made that little comment where she as she hands it to her, she just goes, ew. Yeah, uh, I mean it is. I mean, I would probably I, still eat it. I mean, don't <laughs> don't get me wrong, I mean it's food. I would probably eat it, but that would not be my preference. No, no, I I like that it, that <laughs> that her like confusion over Maggie's food choices has become like a, like a small running joke. Like, it, bef- what was it before the uh, the vegan ice cream? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When she when she lost that bet, she was like, "Ew." Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was so cute, um, and, and I like that the way that they played the Valentine's Day thing, um, because I thought that this whole episode really at its base was about compromise and communication and relationships and uh and i think that uh, out of all the the storylines this was the one that is a the healthiest uh and the one that that sort of epitomized it the most because uh, valentine's day was a, a tough day for maggie and we find out why and it's a really sad story um but she realizes with when she talks to Kara that you know, this is also an important day for Alex because this is the first time that she's on a Valentine's 
Valentine's Day where she's with somebody that she really cares about and uh, and and maybe even loves. And so Maggie sort of has to put her feelings about about how like you know the negative connotation she has with Valentine's Day and sort of remake a Valentine's Day for the two of them. So I really liked I thought it was it was so well done and and the story about Maggie's backstory was so sad actually because when she talks about it earlier in the season she's sort of very like oh yeah it was fine uh and now you you hear like the backstory was actually really was really rough and the reason that she didn't tell Alex was because she didn't want to scare Alex from like accepting who she was and and coming out to her her family and friends and I thought that that was also very lovely this whole season, characters have been really brave. I th- I think they've they've been able to uh, be open about their feelings and be able to face some fears that they have. You know, just w- with personal relationships and and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's hard to put put yourself out there. And I think it was nice to see that even Maggie, who is you know very tough and very capable, even she has some insecurities that she needs to face and, and be brave about. And so I, I liked getting to see that side of her. And I thought Kara, it, it was nice to see Kara actually giving a lot of advice in this episode. Sometimes, sometimes like, I've, I guess I've gotten so used to Alex being the one to kind of help Kara with her problems, but it was Kara giving Alex the advice to do a, a tailor-made Maggie Valentine's Day. And it was Kara telling Maggie to maybe do some, you know, make some changes for Alex since Valentine's Day means so much to her. And I was like, Carl, you are dishing out some good advice in this episode. Good for you. Um, yeah, Carl was like the love guru this week. Yeah, <laughs> which which was funny because she was in her own love triangle of sorts, having to, to deal with her own her own weirdness. Uh, but I I liked the bit of writing where Maggie tells the story about how she. Um, like this this girl uh, when she was 14 years old and that she wanted to ask her to a dance. And so at the end of the episode, the way Maggie sort of gets over her Valentine's Day uh, fear or disgust with the holidays, she uses that to create a, a prom for Alex. And I, I thought that was a nice bit of writing that she took the thing that really hurt her so much and she used it to... Uh, make something great and something good for her future. You know, something in her past really bothered her, but her 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 present and her future uh, could benefit from that hurt because she used it to do something positive. So I I, I like that writing a lot. Yeah, I like that too. Like like you were saying, we've had a lot of characters being brave this season, and I think you know to 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 look at something that has been traumatic for you in your past and to kind of recontextualize that as something that is positive now is that's really brave and I and I love that scene at the end where she has the little they have the corsages and I mean I I also had questions about like where were they did they just like break into some high school and like put up some lights like <laughs> maybe maybe Maggie rented out some you know like a like a ballroom a ballroom just at like a hotel Maggie or something like yeah, maybe she's got like an event planning like hookup. Like she she knows somebody who event plans on the side and and like can put something together very very quickly. Well, she seems like a cop who maybe has some connections to some local establishments, maybe restaurants, maybe hotels. She's made some connections. Maybe somebody she's got owed some her connections a favor. In the- in the event planning underworld, <laughs> yeah. she's gonna she's gonna call in a favor. She's she's got confidential informants everywhere. Uh, so yeah, I, 
<laughs> I love that. That's going to headcanon accepted on that one now, too. Yeah. yeah. She has ways of doing that, Morgan. Don't question them. Um, the only thing I not thought... There. The only thing I thought was a little weird... Uh, not weird, but like... Uh, it, I, it, I, I noticed it. Um, so I don't know if this was uh, strange or interesting. I don't know what the word is. But... Maggie's like the first girl that Maggie liked. I I caught it as her name was Eliza. Did you Did you hear that? You know what i I didn't. I I totally missed that. Okay, now I have to go rewatch. If If that was not her name, somebody let me know. But it it sounded like Eliza to me, and I was like, Oh, that's Alex's mom's name. That's uh. Uh, coincidence? Um, Weird. So I don't know if that's like intentional. Maybe, maybe it was another Hamilton reference, like slipped in there because uh, Eliza is the the nickname of um, of Hamilton's wife in the in the show. So okay, I don't okay. know. Okay, yeah, I just I, it, it, it was just yeah. Weird I, would, to I would definitely think that that would be a little a little strange. So just, <laughs> you know, just that two two characters would have the same name. I thought that was I don't know. I was like, you, you now can... I'm gonna have to go back and oh no, I'm gonna have to go back and watch those scenes again <laughs> for me. Please, uh, please verify for me because I, I will. Question I that. will. But uh, oh, the the other thing I really liked about the their storyline is the um. Well, first of all, anytime there's a Danvers sister scene, like my heart grows three sizes. Um, and especially this one, that was the scene I was talking about earlier where Kara just is like, oh, here, uh, take one of these random uh, things of flowers and, and, and give them to Maggie. But um, she, when Kara asks Alex, like, what well, what does Maggie like? And Alex goes on this like long tirade of the things that Maggie likes. Um, so many of them are so interesting. I now want a longer scene. Like, what was was there something else on this list? Was there things cut out? What's the deal with the bonsai trees? Like, I really want to know so much more. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, bonsai trees, tiramisu, scotch, and guns were yeah. all the things that she she mentioned. Part of me thought that it was neat that she did know specific things like the bonsai trees, but then I I also started to think. Like, Alex, maybe you could learn some deeper things. Like, that just seemed so surface level. I was like, maybe, maybe you could, uh, you could maybe dig more into, <laughs> into Maggie and, and find out some, some deeper things, uh, instead of just her food and beverage choices. But that's a start. That's a start. I mean, we don't know how much she cares about bonsai trees, though. It could be a lot. That's true. Maybe that is really deep and personal for her. Uh, Maybe she has, like, a subscription to, like, Bonsai Tree Aficionado magazine. She might be a huge fan of Bonsai Trees. She could be. So <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's, like, her, her real big passion in life is, <laughs> is Bonsai Trees. Uh, On so, the side, she's just, like, grow, you know how people, like, grow their own, like, special specialty orchids and stuff like that? Maybe she does that with Bonsai Trees. Maybe so. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be downplaying the Bonsai Tree thing. <laughs> uh, that's not fair to question the Bonsai Trees. Uh, but yeah, so that, I was glad that they were able to uh, fix the the Valentine's thing between them, and I thought they had some nice scenes. Uh, so the other love connection in this episode uh, was an unexpected one for me. I did not in- anticipate this uh, for Wynn, but Wynn meets a new uh, lady alien at the unnamed alien bar. Uh, what <laughs> did you think about Wynn's love connection with uh, an alien that we meet named Lyra? Um, 
it was sudden. Uh, <laughs> it was. I felt like I was watching half a season's worth of uh, material in uh, like two or three scenes. It just felt. It just felt like a lot. Like they went from meeting like their like their alien meet cute to uh, hooking up immediately to him like declaring having strong feelings for her and now he was gonna like he wanted to take a shot on this and I was like does she have a last name like what what? not that we know I I feel like we don't I just felt like it was it was so fast it felt like a it felt like a a season of a a rom-com happened in like 10 minutes yeah it was very sudden and quick and maybe that was I don't know if that was the point. Uh, it seemed like a, a really um, quick life comes at you fast. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it was. I think it was supposed to be quick for when because you know he he meets her you know with Valentine's Day happening and I think it was supposed to be maybe um, unexpected for him that he wasn't planning on it. But I would agree it would be uh, better for me. Uh, my preference would be, cause I'm, you know, I'm a slow burn person. I like to see relationships develop. So maybe we'll see more from them in the coming episodes. Uh, cause it did feel a little fast and they even like had this like, uh, info dump that I was like, Whoa, whoa I gotta look all this stuff up. Cause she talks about how she's from Starhaven. Uh, which is an actual location in DC Comics. It's a fictional planet, uh, according to Wikipedia, I, the, you know, the source of all information. Um, Starhaven is a fictional planet first depicted in stories of DC Comics' leg, uh, Legion of Superheroes set in the 30th and 31st centuries, and it's described as being located near the core of the Milky Way galaxy. It was also portrayed as being the home of Legion member Dawnstar and Wildstar. So, and they and they mentioned that the air on Starhaven smelled like cinnamon. So, uh, it was like, okay, there's a huge Legion of superheroes mentioned here. I feel like maybe this. I don't know if this will come back into play. I don't know if Lyra will somehow connect to Monel at some point in future episodes. But I was like, oh, I feel like I'm overwhelmed with information right now with comic lore. Yeah, do we know if her, like, alien makeup was... Is that from the comics, or is that just a choice they made? Because I just couldn't stop thinking that she looked like one of the vampires from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She did sort of... She did <laughs> sort of have that look to her. Um, I, I Actually, I was I was trying to place it, and when you said Buffy, I was like, yes, that's it. That's exactly what yeah. that is. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think Lyra, I think, is an original character, so I don't know if she's based on anybody, but... Uh, but yeah, that's that's a good question. Yeah, and just from a, like a, a like a sh- like an overall show structural standpoint, my first thought was, oh no, not another character. Uh, because I feel like if this season has had one problem, it's that there are so many characters now that like you'll see a character and then maybe not you won't see that character again for like another three weeks. Like there was no James in this episode. Right. Uh, no Lena like we'll we'll see a character and they'll be huge in one episode and then we won't see them again for another two or three weeks sometimes like we got we got Martian Manhunter in like one second of this episode um you know sometimes Maggie won't show up sometimes you know some some of the other characters won't show up and so I think when I was like, oh, no, there's going to be another character this show has to service, it just kind of made me apprehensive. 
I can understand that. That is definitely uh, a and, and concern. And I think it's also it's it's for me at least it's it's a problem of plenty because I I like so many of the characters that they added this season, uh, and I want to see more of them. Uh, so it's it's kind of a champagne problem, <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely a problem. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll make good use of Lyra, and and maybe that's part of Wynn's story for the rest of the season is that he kind of has to figure out how he's going to make this human-alien thing work, and uh, maybe we'll get to see more of their dynamic. I'd like to see Wynn have, like have a win in the romance department. There you go, have there fun. you go. Yeah, I felt bad for him because he, he did admit to her that he had had his heart broken several times. So I was like, oh, poor Wynn. Uh, but maybe this this will be a win for Wynn. So what are your overall thoughts? You talked about the structure of this episode and kind of the season as a whole. But what did you think about uh, this episode, Mr. and Mrs. Mixius Pitalik? I liked it a lot. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a nice sort of change of pace from um, some of the, like, the heavier episodes this season. Um, and... Mix Yizpilik. Oh my god, that's so hard to say. Uh, I thought he was a fun villain because we have seen a lot of very serious villains on um, on Supergirl, and he was hard to take seriously, even when he was doing bad things. Like, I don't. I feel like the fact that Carr called him Mixie all episode uh, was sort of uh, sort of showing that even she wasn't really taking him seriously. She was just like, this guy is just so irritating. Um, I don't think he was ever really a, a threat to her in any way. He was more like a vague annoyance, which is, I think, why the Monel stuff was even worse. Because, like, at no point did I feel like Carr was in danger or over her head or anything where she might need some help or like need bailing out. Like she 100% had it the entire time. <laughs> and Mono was like, no, I'll save you. And she's like, from what? <laughs> uh, and, um, and I just feel like from, from that relationship perspective, uh, you had like a whole scene of her saying, like basically like basically outlining the reasons that they're not going to work out as a couple and then at the end going let's give this a try and like it just feels like you just know like this is doomed like this relationship is 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 so doomed uh but like in life people always think like sure there's like a hundred reasons why we should shouldn't be together but there's one reason we should give it a try because let's try it out. Like, <laughs> I think it, it was, to me, I, I like the idea that, like, somewhere deep inside, even though this was during the time when she was trying to, like, push him away so that she could, like, get her business done, uh, I feel like a lot of that probably came from a pretty true place. <laughs> like, I don't think that you just, like, come up with reasons that you can't work out that are that specific and, like, spot on. I don't think that that was a, a coincidence, and I do think that that's going to come into play, like, later in the season. Um, so I don't think that they are meant to be. Um, but I did, I did like, the, the way that a lot of the, the storylines mirrored each other, like you had a lot of um, a lot of the characters being brave and having to face their feelings and communicating with each other. Like you have Wynn telling Lyra that he, 
you know, he, he should really be trying to play it cool, but he really wants to give them a shot and he really wants to see if it'll work. And you have Maggie and Alex, uh, being really open and really like, like, and communicating with each other really well. So I, I really liked this episode. I thought it was a, I thought it was a nice Valentine's day episode. Yeah, I really liked this episode as well. I, I I know it was very heavy on the romance. It was a Valentine's Day episode, but that is to be expected. Um, but as a like a Superman, Supergirl fan, DC Comics fan, I thought that Mixes Pitalik they really captured. He looked different. He didn't have the appearance that I'm used to seeing as the little, the little imp with the hat. Like uh, <laughs> uh, he didn't look like that. But I I. I I think he captured the essence of what Mixes Pitalik was. He was a nuisance. He was an annoyance. He was someone Kara had to get rid of because he was just driving everyone crazy and he was being dangerous. And I thought they really captured the the essence of him as a villain and, and how dangerous he can be because he can do anything. So actually, Mixes Pitalik is very powerful and he is very scary if he wants to be uh so don't miscount him because he has a funny name he is <laughs> he, he is pretty dangerous so i was glad to see that they captured the the spirit and the essence of his character and i liked the the few little nods we got in there i think he references mcgurk which i only know about the mcgurk connection because of superman the animated series but i think it's in the comics um, actually, I know it's in the comics. It's because uh, I looked it up. Uh, the DCAU wiki says that uh, Mr. Mixes Pitalik calling McGurk is a tribute to the very first comic of Mr. Mixes Pitalik. So in his first appearance, I don't know. I haven't read it. So someone can also fill me on, in on this. I'm asking the, the listeners to, to really inform me in this episode. But uh, so apparently McGurk is a thing in the first appearance of Mr. Mixes Pitalik. So... I was glad they got that in there. And I really liked the idea and the theme and the use of free will in this episode. I was very connected to that. And and seeing Kara take advantage of her free will and use that to defeat the villain, I thought that was great. And in terms of the romance, I thought, you know, like I said, I really like seeing characters be brave about their feelings. And I actually really liked the Monel Kara stuff. I think, uh, I know a lot of people have problems with that, but I think he's a character who has grown and seen that he used to be a jerk and he's trying to do better. And I, 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 I find that very uh, commendable. I, I appreciate that he's a character who's screwed up and he was a jerk, but he's he's trying to better himself. And I think he's it's part of it's trying to better himself for Kara to be that guy that maybe Kara deserves. But I think he's also kind of doing that for himself because he realized he used to be somebody he didn't really uh, like. You know, now his present self doesn't really like the way he was in the past and he recognizes that. So I actually really liked that. And of course, I just, you know, I want to see Kara happy and I think she was really happy in this episode. So that made me happy. So, um, but I thought it was, I thought it was a good episode, a, a well-executed episode on, on a lot of fronts. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Mr. and Mrs. Mixes Pitalik. Okay, so we got a lot of tweets, um, and I am going to forewarn people that I'm going to butcher your Twitter names, much like I butcher the name Mix is Pitalik. So and you, prepare yourself. And you, and you, can, <laughs> and you can pronounce any name. Any, and the, all, we're just laying it on the table. Pronounce any name the way you want to pronounce it. That's how it's going to go for this episode because we, names are weird in this episode. So feel free to <laughs> bumble anything up if you need to. Okay. We got a tweet from uh, at Paradox Kid who says, came away a new 
mixed Yizpilic fan. He was funny, uh, deviously charming, and would be great to see him across all four shows. Ooh, I would love to see him on Legends, actually. I feel like his weird energy would really jibe with the <laughs> overall weird energy of that show. Yeah, and that would be fun since they do some time traveling. That would be neat to see him causing some trouble because we got a little sort of time traveling with the Hamilton stuff. We got to see him exploring some revolutionary uh, time period stuff. So it might be fun to see him uh, cause some troubles in uh, another time period. And I feel like he couldn't be worse than the legends themselves. So there's that also. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, uh, uh, Rantasma1 said, I really didn't like Kara calling Mix Yizpilik Mixie. It sounds cute and as if they were friends and it diminished his threat. Uh, I, I kind of like that. Actually, because to me, it, it it just was like he was such a non-entity to her that she didn't even bother <laughs> learning how to say his name. But I also probably feel like Melissa Benoist was like, please stop this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to say that name all the time. Well, it should be mentioned that he calls himself Mixie the first time that Mixie True. is used in the episode. So I think Kara adopts Mixie because that's what he calls himself. Good, good catch. Um, at Chris Fundelinski said, I love when Kara takes off her glasses and lets down her guard. It's always a real moment, not a Supergirl or Kara Danvers. It's a Kara Zor-El moment, and I love those moments. And I think that's a, that's a good point because a lot of times when I think of Kara with her glasses off, I think of Kara Danvers. But that's actually a good point that it's actually Kara Zor-El, like, Kara Zorel is who she really is. That she's the girl from uh, Krypton who got stuck in the Phantom Zone, had to escape her planet dying, and she, you know, she is Kara Zorel at her core. And Kara Danvers is that, you know, earthly identity that she has put on, and that's what part of the glasses are. So I like that, uh, Kristen. That when she takes the glasses off, I hadn't really connected that before. That she. Is Kara Zorel in that moment? Oh, I really like that. So, because Kara Danvers has the glasses, but she doesn't actually need them, right? So when she takes them off, she is like that's like her truest self when she takes off her glasses. I mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. Um, at Patty Mello twenty said, "I will never understand this caramel thing," which, by the way, is the um, Monel Kara shipper name, mm-hmm. which is. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Rebecca and I have spoken about this. I am a aficionado of bad ship names, uh, and this one is particularly bad, so I love it. I, don't, uh, I kind of think it's kind of clever. I'm not going to lie. I think it's clever. It, it is clever. I, I like, like, the the more a ship name tries to, like, make itself into, like, some sort of clever, like, portmanteau, the more I, I both love and hate it, like... Um, back in the Veronica Mars days when Logan and Veronica, their ship name was Love with the L-O and then a big V and then a little <laughs> E. Oh, my God. It, it was like one of the worst ship names I've ever seen, and I loved it so much. Yeah, it's like a casket for me with oh, a casket. Ca- yeah, Castle, Castle and Beckett. I'm like, that's not – There, there's not a good reason. I mean, there's good you reason. You would get nerds, though. So. I know, but like <laughs> you don't want to like – Associate death with your your couple with your relationship it's, probably not. That's that's always going to be a downer. I mean, I guess bit. it makes sense and it goes with the show. But uh, anyway, 
So, but yeah, I, I yeah, think, I'm sorry. I think... I'm sorry. I'm killing your tweet, Patty. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> this is her full tweet. I will never understand this caramel thing. It's so bad. Card doesn't even seem to like him. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. That's <laughs> eh, fair. Um, we have at Emily V. Chris, who says, glad we finally got some Maggie backstory, but Mon L is disrespectful and terrible for Kara. Why is our hero settling for him? I I would not say she is settling for him so much because she makes the choice. She wants to be with him. Like, she likes, in my opinion, I think she likes mon So I don't think she's like, well, I guess nobody else will like me, so I guess I'll just be with mon She had two suitors in this episode this week. But I think she chose mon because she genuinely has feelings for him. So I would kind of disagree. I don't think she's settling for him. I think she's... No, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that she's settling for him. I I don't... I, I wouldn't say that I think there's is a, a, a romance for the ages. No. <laughs> but I... Yeah, the, I think that settling is probably the wrong terminology for for whether or not their relationship works. But she's definitely not settling. Like, she is... She is choosing her choice on whether, this one. Whether or not you think it's the right choice, she has made a choice. This episode this week was all about free will and choice, and she has made a choice. I choose my choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at bat. At Batmere1989 says, I feel a bit bad saying this because Sanvers is so important, but do you think that we get a bit too much romantic drama at the moment? From Sanvers or just in general? Maybe in general, but I mean, again, this, this episode was a Valentine's Day episode. Uh, romance is a thing on Valentine's Day. Uh, I mean... Maybe some people might make the case. I, it hasn't been too much for me because I still get the action and the adventure and the mystery and the aliens and the superpowers. I'm okay with it personally. And I, I think Alex, I mean, Maggie to a lesser extent because she's a new character and she's sort of connected to the show through Alex. But I think Alex still does a lot of other stuff besides be in a relationship i think to me when it when a relationship overpowers the show it's like that's the character's only plot right that's when it becomes a problem uh but alex is still you know she's still kicking kicking butt still doing a lot of other stuff so um at the positite uh says mr mixie was so very fun wish he could stick around longer also alex was so hilariously pure and sweet this episode love sanvers uh at Evil's Answers says, can we talk about Alex's god-awful Valentine poetry card? <laughs> god, she's adorable. Sanvers reached a new level of adorable, too. I did forget about that card. That was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Alex should probably stay, um, stay in her lane as far as career choices, but you never know. There might be a market for that. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, you you can you can buy pre-made cards. You don't have to write your own poetry. That's why they have <laughs> Valentine's Day cards. Uh, at Coffin Roman said, love that Maggie chose to recreate a dance like she was choosing to try to overcome trauma to replace bad memories with great new ones. Ah, the theme of choice. Ah, there, there we go. Is. Oh, and choose was all in caps. She Same. chose her choice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at TV Freak in a Box said, did not expect the prom scene to mean somewhat more to Maggie, for Maggie than for Alex when I first saw the teaser. 
That's a good that's a good point. I thought it was going to be, you know, like an Alex centric scene as well, but it was really a powerful scene for Maggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Mary No Lambs, I'm still laughing my ass off at Alex's Valentine's surprise card for Maggie. Hashtag guns, hashtag tiramisu. <laughs> and people like that card. Yes. So, may- so maybe I was wrong. Maybe maybe uh, Alex does have a career, like a Hallmark career ahead of her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Brianna Ahern says, I love that Maggie was more open and I thought that some of the stuff with Mixie was fun. Uh, at Kaya Matsui said, at this point, I shouldn't be surprised by the treatment that lesbians get on TV, but I thought that this show was different. Hmm. Yeah. I know some people were, uh, upset about it and we'll, we'll probably get to it a little more in an email, but, uh. But I, th- I think this is in relation to screen time and uh, story, you know, like being the B plot versus the A plot. Um, yeah. So so the next uh, the actual the next tweet is at fault. My pride really disappointed that this was touted as Sanford centric. Uh, it was the Mon L hour again. Um Yeah, I think that the problem really isn't even so much the not saying that isn't so much the show, but I did see some of those articles that were saying like, Oh, this is going to be, you know, the big Sanvers episode. Um, and I, I think that if you read those and you came into this episode with that expectation, I could a hundred percent see why you'd be disappointed because it was a great storyline. I thought that they, they did a really great job with it, but it wasn't, like the a plot of the story it was definitely like the b plot yeah but i mean they had significant screen time i thought and i thought they had some really good scenes they have they had a good chunk of scenes with a lot of good character stuff but but if you were looking for them to be the the main focus of the episode you would have been you know disappointed and and i would i would love for the for the show at some point to play with structure a little bit and maybe have like a like an alex centric episode or you know one of the other like the supporting characters sort of take some of the lead of the episode for most of it. Um, I think that would be fun, but that, yeah, this wasn't, this wasn't that if that was what uh, people were expecting, I could see the, the disappointment there. Uh, at Jade Mercy says swoon. Can I replace my boyfriend with Maggie Sawyer? He didn't even acknowledge the day. Hashtag I'm serious. Mark hashtag. He listens to this podcast. Mark, Mark, Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get it together, Mark. Hashtag come on, Mark. Uh, at the Devil Jackie says, strongest Kara episode yet. Also, is win- also wins new girl is Earth 38's Sarah Lance. Uh, <laughs> badass leather and bar fights. I ship it. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I know you're a big Sarah Lance fan. Were you impressed with her her fighting skills? I mean, she, she roughed up some dudes in that bar. Yeah, she roughed up some dudes in the bar. She like had some quips ready. She's blonde. Yeah, I see it. I I think that they <laughs> if they met, they would be very fast friends. Uh, <laughs> um, at Mad Town Davidson said that was a very fun episode. Do you all think Wynn's new girlfriend is going to stick around? Theory: She owns the alien bar. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Matt, Matt Town Davidson is the one who is just throwing out all kinds of awesome speculations. This season, because yeah. Matton Davidson was the one last time with the anti-life equation speculation. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Matton Davidson's killing it with the the theories. Um, I think it's possible. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what her, you know, her exact past. We know she's from Starhaven, but she could own that bar. She could be a business lady. Yeah, I know. She could be a small business owner. I love it. 
<laughs> subscribe to that theory. Uh, <laughs> at uh, shop23 said, I, mix, I missed Calix. Yeah, Calix was oh, not in Calix. the fortress. Is he really? Is he really gone? I don't. I don't want to accept it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what, what's what's going to happen with that. But we definitely did not see him. I'm going to start a change.org petition about this. <laughs> <laughs> you should. We would all sign it. But yeah, Kellex Kellex's uh, presence was missed. <laughs> um, and as a follow up to our discussion about the anti life equation, which I think uh, we all got confused about, but also found delightful. <laughs> uh, at uh, drank uh, uh, Dr. Ange 70. Oh, Dr. Ange. Why would I read it that way? Uh, at Dr. Ange 70 tweeted us another idea about what's in the box. Um, Lillian mentioned in Luther's, uh, he's, he thinks that the Luther little box weapon is a phantom zone projector grenade. Uh, and he thinks that Mon El will sacrifice himself to save Kara. Yeah, I wanted hmm. to throw that in there because I think uh, we've got some you know competing speculations for the box. And I, I, I thought that was a good one. So we'll, we'll see which one comes true for fruition, if any, uh, because I think that was a nice little mystery that they put in in uh, the Luther's episode. Well, and we have an email from Angie who writes, quote, I'm not a member of the LGBT community. However, I respectfully love Sanders. I think it's bad that the network uh, leads fans of the Maggie and Alex pairing on week to week with a few minutes of screen time. I know the show is called Supergirl, but the CW and their promotions team should not bait fans, uh, but grow the audience organically, unquote. So yeah, I think that's another example of people not quite happy with the promotion, which is not the show's fault. I mean, that's... Uh, and, and I would say it's probably it's probably not a great thing that last week's episode had that line about the Valentine's Day, and you're like you're watching the whole time, going, "Well, it's first of all, it's not Valentine's Day, so this would be a weird choice to have the Maggie <laughs> and Alex storyline." Yeah, so uh, there was some miscommunication zero with for the two, I think. yeah, so they're they're not uh, they're not being real consistent. Uh, no. But but I think in terms, if you actually look at the story, maybe maybe that will make it better. But yes, yeah, some of the some of the promotional stuff maybe could be a little better. Uh, we have another email from Paul who wanted to respond to our discussion of Luther's. Uh, he writes, "It was mentioned matter of factly that Kara doesn't have a destiny love interest. She most certainly does." Brainiac Five from the Legion of Superheroes. They both joined during their first adventure. And I would agree with that. I think Brainiac 5 is uh, Supergirl's most common love interest. He's He's been with her in a, a couple of stories and even in the uh, DC animated universe. Um, but I think when we were talking about like that, you know, kind of destiny love, it was that, you know, kind of Lois and Clark, you know, uh, love throughout all incarnations. Uh, but, you know, I would not be opposed to a Brainiac 5 pairing, and I think that's maybe how they should end the show. But that's just kind of my personal preference. Um, but I would I would totally be all about seeing Brainiac 5 and, and seeing uh, a potential romance uh, for Supergirl with him. Yeah, I think that would be fun. I don't know much about the character, so we could do another spotlight. We could, and he's also a <laughs> member of the Legion of Superheroes, uh, uh -huh. like Monel is. So maybe they could have a connection. Um, so, uh, Paul also asks, uh, any thoughts on who Lena's mother might be? Ooh, I don't actually. Yeah. I, have, I, I feel like I, have, I should, but I don't have any speculation. I, 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 I would have no guesses. That's, that's something that I, I can't even comprehend, but it would be cool if it was, a 
a surprise character that maybe we, you know, maybe we know from the comics, maybe we don't, maybe it's a, you know, a, a way to cast a, a big name, bring, bring her in. Um, well, I mean, Terry Hatcher is going to be on the show later. That's true. And she's sort of, you know, she's got that dark hair. Uh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I like that theory. I do like, I do like that theory. Um, because not only do they sort of look alike, but we know that Terry Hatcher is going to come in and play a villain. And I sort of like that, you know, cause I know you may not, uh, have to share this <laughs> preference, but I want, I sort of want to see Lena as a villain just because I know Katie McGrath is so good at playing villains, but it would be kind of neat if L- Lena had, you know, the Luther blood in her from uh, Lionel. And then she also had Terry Hatcher's genetics where they're kind of both villains a little bit. And so I don't know if that would make her a full-blown villain genetically, but I kind of, <laughs> kind of like that idea now that I'm thinking about it. It would be funny if 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 Terry Hatcher was, you know, is, is comes on as this villain and turns out to be her mom. And she's just like, oh, my God, are you serious? Like, every time. <laughs> Like she's all she's excited because she finally gets to meet her mom, and then her new mom turns out to be evil too. And she's like, "Well, you know what? <laughs> she can't win. Just evil moms all around. That's just the Poor way it Lena. goes." <laughs> um, Derek wrote in to ask, "How come Barry Allen doesn't know about Mister M?" That's a good point because hmm. uh, Barry Allen has time travel. Uh, well, I guess time tra- he's time traveled, and he's also hopped to different earths in the multiverse you you would think I feel like I feel like Barry Allen has enough problems of his own making that <laughs> he he's got um you know super smart gorillas and t- talking sharks and every now and then he just ruins the timeline um, and he just screws he up everyone's lives um yeah he's got a lot on his plate i don't know that he i don't know that barry could he's handle got so much going on man yeah he said you don't want to put another thing on his plate mix just put might be too much because miss mix just put is a handful like you really you have to babysit him he is a character yeah so i don't think barry has this this is probably ironic for a, a speedster but he does not have time to babysit Mixed better look. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess in terms of the multiverse, he has not encountered the um, the uh, fifth dimension just yet. Well, Mary sent us an email saying, quote, I really liked Mr. and Mrs. Mixed Pedalik. It was a very fun episode, and it was nice to see Wynn in a new setting and developing new relationships. I also thought this episode had some good Monel moments. While I may not have liked Monel at the beginning, I have warmed up to him as his character develops. I wish I could say the same about the Cara Monel romantic relationship. They have some sweet moments, but there are also a lot of moments where it feels like Cara doesn't actually like Monel, and this latest episode was an, ex- an excellent example of that. Relationships aside, it was also nice to see the Fortress of Solitude again. Though I was definitely confused that Kara would totally destroy Superman's headquarters without <laughs> asking him or even telling him it, it was going to happen. Definitely relieved to see that was never Kara's plan. Thanks for the podcast. Keep it up, unquote. Yeah, Mary, I think a lot of people uh, share your sentiments. And I, I too, am glad that the Fortress of Solitude is still standing. <laughs> I, that's that's actually a really good, uh, a really good comment because... She did, yeah. She didn't really clear that with uh, with Clark, did she? She just kind of went in there. She's like, "Sorry, 
going to blow up your house. <laughs> I mean, that's that's his fault for giving her that big, gigantic key. I know, I know. He's really going to have to take that he back could, and like set some hard rules with he her. He <laughs> could change the locks at any time. Um, uh, Richards wrote in saying, um, Kara and Mon-El have felt forced and unnecessary since the beginning of the season. I have no emotional investment in the couple. I honestly think the episode did a great job of showing why they shouldn't be a couple, which I am sure was not their intention. Uh, Alex and Maggie has not been that bad. I think the actresses have great chemistry, but even their storyline in this episode failed for me. This was the second time since they got together that the writers came up with some BS reason to create tension between them, and it really annoyed me. To end on a positive note, I have to be fair and say that not all romances were bad because I think Wynn and Lyra were really cute. Okay, so our last email comes from Aaron, who writes, quote, Once Sanvers started happening and blew us all away with the heart and emotionally honest writing, I was ready to say this season was better than the first. How quickly things have fallen apart. Now I'm pretty much only watching for the Sanvers moments, and the few times Lena appears like a breath of fresh air. Before the season started, Melissa gave an interview where she was where she talked about her hopes for the season and how she looked forward to Kara finding herself outside of romance and finding her own way. I feel so, so bad for her. She doesn't deserve what's been done to her. The recent poster where they made her share space with Monel and the tagline was about her relationship status was an absolute slap in the face. Someone refresh my memory of the last time that happened to Arrow or Flash. It's like all the feminism they touted has gone right out of the window. I no longer trust the show and the people in charge what was an incredibly important feminist show. Um, and I'm going to stop right there just because uh, I, I will say with the Aaron, the, the posters for the show that, I mean, there was a, there was a poster with Monel and Kara, um, but there's also been posters of Kara with Alex Kara with Martian Manhunter, uh, Supergirl with Superman. That's not necessarily, I wouldn't say that's an indicative, it's not indicative of like, oh, this show is just about their relationship. I think, I mean, those posters are just episode teases. I think whatever's, you know, going to happen in the show that week is what they tease. So I, I think, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I, personally for me, I, I don't pay much real attention to, I, that doesn't make a big deal, uh, yeah, a big difference I, I, for me. And I would say, like, I think that, I mean, I don't watch Arrow, um, but I on The Flash, certainly, romance is a huge part of that show. Um, like, the, the Barry and the Iris stuff is, especially this season, like, is, is powering the back half of the, the whole season. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think that the re- relationships are, are parts of all the uh, all the superhero shows, and I... I for me personally, and, and I know a lot of people probably feel differently, but I feel like the female superhero, uh, female superheroes in general get hit with this idea that if there are relationships or if there is like a romance storyline that that's sort of not feminist. But I don't hear anybody saying like something similar about the flash because he spends like episodes and episodes pining over Iris or, you know, decorating their new apartment or something. Um, I think it's kind of a, kind of a a double standard there. I don't know. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's something to be said about the, if you're talking about the promotional posters, I, I tried to go back through and look at arrow and the flash and a lot of them. I mean, it's just, it's truly just based off of what's happening in the episode. You might see a poster of the Flash fighting Reverse Flash or uh, the Flash in Gorilla City. 
And, you know, his butt is in the very middle of the picture. So, like, that's all my <laughs> eyes went to. Um, so, you know, I mean, and even with Arrow, like, the posters I could dig up for that were, like, there was one with Malcolm and Speedy teasing an episode that was part of her big arc with her father. Uh, so, I, I don't... I guess, I guess the other thing, I guess for me... Uh, the problem is that I never look at these promotional posters, so I have no context for this uh, th- this particular issue. Yeah, it, it's not a, as much of a big deal to me personally. Um, and I, I, do, I do think there is something to be said. Like even Arrow has a lot of focus on the relationshipy stuff in that show. So I, I mean, I just think that's par for the course for the CW, to be honest. Um, the, the romance stuff is kind of what they're known for. Um, But Aaron goes on to say, and to dig into how bad the romance has been, she doesn't like, uh, she's talking about Kara, Kara doesn't like him and says says so to Alex. So what does her loving sister do? Convinces her she doesn't know her own mind and tries to hook her up with a guy that as far as we know, Alex herself doesn't even like. The writers are literally speaking to girls and young women and saying, doubt yourself. Say yes, just because some boy likes you, whether you like him or not. Is this the message we want from Supergirl of all shows? And then the big romantic moment is just Carr pretty much saying, you're not as bad as I thought. So I guess that's a ringing endorsement to start dating. Um, I'll start right there just real quick, just because I, I don't know. I, I think with, with things like that where Alex like didn't like Monel at first, I think that's, that's fine to have a character change their mind. As as they get to know somebody, I, I you know, I, I sort of don't mind that. I think that's actually character progression to have uh, characters kind of learn about each other and kind of change and grow. And um, and as soon as Alex, I think, maybe saw that Kara liked Monel or that Monel liked Kara, maybe that did something for Alex to kind of open her mind up to him. And uh, like I said before in our, our episode discussion, I like that Kara is choosing um, who she wants to be with and who she likes. So, um, so I don't have any problems with that. Uh, Aaron goes to say, Kara's reason for not being with James was that she wasn't ready to be in a relationship. So if she is now, he's still around, right? Am I missing something? A black man who's never done anything but love and support you? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, A man child who's never done a day of work in his life and has no interest in helping anyone but himself unless he can impress the woman he wants to sleep with? Yeah, let's go with that. Um, And Aaron says, uh, don't get me wrong, I don't hate Monel. He bores me and I'm tired. I'm tired of white bread bros getting everything they always want. I'm tired that them just being friends was never a possibility. Lena is more dynamic and interesting by a large factor, and she brings something that the show sorely ne- needs. Monel brings nothing it needs but what, but he's what we get. I'm very sad because this show was something special, and I'm getting convinced the people in charge don't know what they had. Unquote. Um, Aaron, thanks for the the thoughts and uh, uh, sharing how you're you're perceiving the show this season. Uh, I guess I, I disagree with it to an extent. I, I do agree that the James thing was badly handled and we've talked oh, about yeah. that. I, I, yeah, I don't think either of us are going to uh, disagree with uh, that James, the, the James stuff in general this season has been just all over the place. And, and it was so abrupt in the premiere that I felt like I had missed something. Like I felt like I had missed a whole episode um, 
and I still feel like it's it's very abrupt after if you watch season one and then you continued in, into season two, you'd be like, what is happening? Like if you were binging it, um, I don't think it was handled well at all. So n- no arguments there. Yeah. And, and we've talked about that at length. And I, I will say I will open it up to anybody if, if you're listening and you because I, I know some people probably are annoyed with me as somebody who has had problems with James's storyline, especially the Guardian stuff. Uh, we can open it up to like we did with Monel. If you are a big James Olsen fan, you're a big Guardian fan, email us, tweet us, Facebook us, tell us why you love Guardian, tell us why you love James, and we'll share it because I, I think those voices need to be heard and, and, and those opinions uh, should be shared. So uh, I, I think that's, that would be a good opportunity to bring that in. For the people who like this Guardian uh, storyline is working for them really well. I, I'd love to get that perspective because for me, it's it's not. But but I'm sure that there are people who, who really like it. And as far as the uh, the show uh, telling telling young girls and young women to doubt themselves, I can, I can maybe see that to an extent. Uh, I personally don't uh, see it that way. Um, I, I think it's remarkable that they're, uh, letting Kara be able to be in charge of her own emotions and her own feelings and and make those choices for herself. And even if it's a mistake, she's still, you know, following her heart. She talked about that with Mixtas Pitalik, that she, you know, she needed to go with what her heart was. So I, I, I sort of seeing that as an opportunity to, to talk with young girls about that kind of thing. And if people do have problems with the way that's being handled. That's a good way to open some discussion about dating. <laughs> if parents want to have that conversation with their kids, I know it's, I am not a parent myself, but I have heard that that is a very difficult conversation. Uh, but it seems like it'd be a little awkward, but it's a, I think it's a little awkward, but maybe Supergirl can open some of those conversations. No, I agree. I think it's a, it's a really valid criticism. And I think that there is definitely some stuff there. Um, and I think it is. It could be a, a really good way to open up a dialogue and a discussion about, um, you know, setting your boundaries and uh, and sticking by it and, and knowing who you are and what, you know, what you'll stand for and what you won't stand for. I don't think I see it as Kara doesn't like him and she's just being talked into it by everybody else. I, I, I see this as, as kind of Kara making a mistake that, like in a in a way, I think subconsciously she even knows is is maybe not going to work out great for her. But I, I one of the things I like about Supergirl is that she's not infallible. That she is so very human. That she makes mistakes and she she can be very vulnerable. And uh, and I think that this is maybe not going to go so great for her uh, this relationship. But uh, I think it's maybe it's a choice that she needs to make. That's a good point about Supergirl, uh, and one of the reasons that you like her, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, and I also like that she is a very forgiving uh, person, and that she is willing to. Uh, I, I, when I what I think is really cool about her relationship with Monel is that she is giving, she's extending a little grace to him, knowing that yes, he screwed up. But he's trying to better himself, and I think she sees that. I think she sees that he's genuinely trying to do that. So one of the things I think is a very Supergirl trait for her to have is to have compassion for someone and have grace to see that they can be better people if they choose that for themselves. So I, um, I think that that's yeah, a I good agree. way to I think, look at it. I think Supergirl really sees the best in everyone, oh, and that's for sure. always been one of her traits. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different ways to to 
see and, and view what's going on within the show. A lot of different perspectives to be had. Um, but uh, Aaron, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, so I think last last episode we asked people to send us some lightning round questions because mm-hmm. we really enjoyed that. So um, a listener named Chelsea actually sent us some good lightning round questions. <laughs> yeah. so. All right, let's do it. Okay. Seeing Snapper finally snap or a Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen episode. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, what? Uh, Which one? Snapper finally snapping. Are you kidding? Yeah, snap, snapping, <laughs> snapping. Yeah, no, for me too. Sna- snapper snapping is, is like bucket list for this show, <laughs> <laughs> which is a sad commentary on me, I think. Um, <laughs> have Lucy Lane back or get to see Lois Lane for an episode? These are so easy, Chelsea. Lois Lane. <laughs> so, I mean, just hands down, Lois Lane. This one's tough for me because I did love Lucy, but I'm going to go with Lois Lane too because, you know, we've met Lucy, but, like, what's Lois like? Mm-hmm. I want to know. Um, okay. Brian and Joe being bros or Kelly being brought back to life. <laughs> oh, Sophie's, Sophie's <laughs> choice. Sophie's choice. Oh, this is such a hard one. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm gonna don't, go- don't make us make this choice, uh, Chelsea. Uh, I'm gonna regret this, but uh, I, it's a lightning round, so you got to make a choice. So I'm gonna okay. go. I'm gonna go. Brian and Joe being bros. I'm gonna go. Kelly being brought back to life because I feel like there's just like there's depth to Kelly. We we just haven't we haven't gotten to. We, we just we never we never knew you, Kelly. R.I.P. Kelly. Oh man, Chelsea, thank you for those. Those are amazing. <laughs> oh uh, no, Chelsea sent us a lot of them, so we'll try to spread them oh, out. No, really? Yeah. yeah. There's so more. there's oh, so there's, more, there's more to come. So thank you for that, Chelsea. Well, we got we gotta save some for when Carly's back too. Yeah, because yeah. this is fun. All right, so now that we've gotten through the lightning round questions, uh, before we wrap up listener feedback, we will get to some listener voicemails. What's up, Supergirl Radio? What's up? This is Bill Meeks, and I just wanted to call and leave you a few thoughts on Mr. and Mrs. Mixtures Pitalik. Uh, that's really hard to say, but uh, the latest episode of Supergirl. Rebecca knows this. Mixtures Pitalik is my favorite character villain in the superman mythos ever so frankly this episode had a lot to live up to thankfully i think they did a really good job and this might be one of my favorite adaptations of the character outside of the comic book medium ever i have to say up front i hated the smallville version a lot and howie mandel on lois and clark was okay Mixtures Pitalik on the old Superboy live-action show was okay. But outside of the animated series, I didn't feel like any medium had really got the the character. Looks aside, you know, he was a little taller than I remember, a little younger than I remember. I thought they did a really, really, really good job with the character. It was nice seeing, I believe he played Cyrus on Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, the actor who played Mixtures Pitalik. Great seeing him. Also love the Aladdin reference there. In fact, the Aladdin reference and the Hamilton references, I it, it got me thinking a lot about music. And I thought that that's so appropriate to have all these references to musicals with Mixtures Pitalik because he is a character that kind of faces out to the audience. He in in musicals are a medium that faces out to the audience. They sort of poke at the fourth wall a little bit. They're Brechtian, if you know that term at all, or Brecht. But I thought all of his jokes were really solid. I thought the effects were really cool, too. It was really the first time in live action, anyway, we've seen Miksha's Pitalik really dig in and mess with the reality around him. It was really cool to see. The jokes were all on point. I loved his sense of humor. It wasn't quite old vaudeville, like the original character, but it was still pretty good. Last but not least, and this is the most important thing, 
thing in a mixture's Pillock story, they really nailed the solution. It was one of those things where you knew that Kara was tricking him, but you weren't quite sure how she was going to trick him until she set off the burner thing in the Fortress of Solitude. But then you you were in on the joke. You knew what was going to be happening, and you got to see Mixia's Pitalik fall into Kara's trap. It was also a very Silver Age solution. It reminded me of the story in which Superman has Mixia's Pitalik type out his name on a typewriter, and he He's flown a giant typewriter and he's flown in and reversed all the keys so it spells out his name. It had that same kind of tone to it. It was really, really awesome. So again, really loved the episode. Uh, glad I was finally able to have a, have a night off watching Gotham so I could watch the episode call in. And since I'm not usually accustomed to leaving the voicemails, I'm just going to say bye. Hey ladies, this is Mark up in Portland. I just calling to say how much I loved this week's episode. I thought Sterling Gates did a terrific job with all the pop culture drops and bringing the thing full circle at the end with the orange juice and all of that. And I thought, I thought the whole thing was wonderful. I loved, uh, Wynn's new, uh, friend there, even though her makeup job looks like it's made out of fondant. And, uh, then at the end of the episode, around nine o'clock up here, for some reason, I thought I heard uh, like a windstorm was coming up or maybe my neighborhood was being under attack by Silver Banshee. And then I realized it was just Carly screaming, echoing all the way up here in Maine at the end of the episode. Uh, thanks very much. Looking forward to hearing the podcast. Bye. I like seeing comic book shows stick through a lot of comic booky type stuff. And that's what this this episode was. Is it was a very comic booky episode. Mixer, Mixer, or Mister Mixie, as I like to call him, is a guy that lends himself to doing crazy type things. We saw we saw that in in Superman the animated series. We see it again here. I mean, he basically creates or brings in a supervillain for him to defeat for him to try and curry favor with Kara. And that was an interesting way for her to defeat him. And this has been Mike Pasqual. Hello, ladies. I have certainly enjoyed the podcast lately. This is Greg from North Carolina. When you were talking about uh, Mr. Mixio's Pitalik, I did have two things. Uh, number one, if you watch the Saturday morning cartoon show, Super Friends, they always pronounced his name Mixelplik with just three syllables, which is much easier to say. You can go either way. I wouldn't complain if you use that. And some of you mentioned that John Delancey's character Q on Star Trek uh, was very similar to Mixelplik, and the way you said it was that Mixelplik is similar to Q. Since Mixelplik premiered in 1944 and John Delancey was born in 1948, I think it's probably more accurate to say that Q is like Mixelplik rather than the other way around. Thanks a lot, ladies. Great show. Really enjoyed it. One of the things I thought was really funny about the Mixed Chess Pedalic thing was that anytime somebody would call in a voicemail message mm-hmm. for Supergirl Radio, Google Voice tried to transcribe that voicemail. And so when it would hear Mixed Chess oh, no. <laughs> it didn't get it correctly. And it was so funny every time they uh, it appeared. Um, so when someone tried to say Mr. Mixie, it had it as... Mr. Mick C. And then one time it Google Voice said it was Mr. Like She Has Paddling. And then another time it said Mr. Big Siesta Click, which is my favorite. 
And yes. then um, when someone said kill tipsism, uh, it translated it to killed tipsies, uh, possessive, kill tipsies, tipsy apostrophe s them. So um, Google Voice doesn't know what to do with Mixed Pedalik. So that's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, well, that's going to do it for our listener feedback. So if you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so check out our playlist over there. And we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. And if you are looking to listen to us, uh, we are also on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And we're part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, and classic DC TV shows, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. Nailed it. I'm getting so much better at that. Nailed Maybe it's because it. I had to say mix yes all episode. So it was like that whatever. Was, this is that this was is a breeze. Yeah, that was a breeze. <laughs> I know. Com- compared to compared to all the different pronunciations of <laughs> Mixelplik, Ms. Yes, Spitlick. Uh yeah. Uh the, the DC TV plugs are not not as hard. Um mix a lot. Yeah, Sir Mix a lot, Sir Mixmaster. Uh, yeah, yeah, much easier. Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm also on Instagram at The Derby Kid, which is T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can watch videos of mine over at YouTube.com forward slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can find some of my writing on Buddy TV. And I'm also one of the co-hosts of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Uh, so you should check that out. Watch the show or don't watch the show. But definitely yeah, listen to the podcast. but definitely listen to the podcast. <laughs> Well, if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And as a warning, stay on your toes if you have any close encounters of the fifth kind. A big something. What? You're either part of the family or you're not. Kaboom. Supergirl. All new next Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. 
The next episode is called Homecoming. The official description reads, quote, When Jeremiah Danvers is rescued from Cadmus, Alex and Kara are thrilled to have their father back. The Danvers arrange a family dinner to celebrate, but things go awry when a suspicious Monel starts to question Jeremiah about his sudden return, unquote. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Dun. Uh, <laughs> also, this description, so much easier than the mixed hospitalic description. Oh, yeah, so, so much. much. <laughs> but there is some intrigue, some uh, familial intrigue in this one. So what are you most excited about for next week's episode? I'm excited to have Jeremiah back. Um, and it sounds like some of my speculation about how he might not have, be quite on the up and up <laughs> might be <laughs> might be turning out to be true. So uh, usually Carly is the one who can accurately predict plot lines. So I'm going to take this as a win. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's got a, you're giving her a run for the money in the, in the theory and the speculation department. Uh, possibly. We don't know for sure. We don't know. We don't know. Monel could just be suspicious for no reason, but it does seem questionable. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see, because when you think about it, the Jeremiah Danvers thing was a while ago. Like, it feels like the last time they saw him was quite some time ago. And all of a sudden, they like didn't ever bring him up. And Alex started dating Maggie, and some other stuff went down. I feel, like, I feel down. like Alex, maybe, she was like, I- I'm going to find my dad no matter what. And then, like, that was it. She kind of forgot. <laughs> I-, I feel like I feel like if Jeremiah Danvers comes back, he might be a little bit sad <laughs> that he got forgotten so quickly. <laughs> yeah, they, they got distracted. Uh, some other things came up in their lives, and they put the Jeremiah Danvers search on hold. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, it, that did seem to happen quite some time ago, and I guess they're they're gonna they're gonna get back to it. Things are happening. Jeremiah Danvers is returning, uh, so I'm very excited about that. And if the family's getting together, that must mean we get to see Eliza too. Uh, I think she was in the trailer. Yay! So um, I, I'm very excited to see Helen Slater come back as well as Dean Kane. So I think this will be a good episode. I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.